Thank you, Pastor Keeley. And what a time we've had. I mean that. We have, we have thoroughly loved being here. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I was telling Pastor, uh, the Lord's lead me in a direction tomorrow. Not, not to preach on, on the home or marriage tomorrow, but really preach on the home, on the family and uh, all, all day tomorrow, and, and uh, I hope you're in church. I, I, and I know, Brother Coelho, you said you guys aren't going to be able to be here tomorrow night, but uh, yeah, you will be tomorrow night. Okay, well, I, I was going to say tomorrow night is really, really where I'm leaning towards anyway. I was going to say that's the one, if, if I could choose, tomorrow night would be it, but I want you at both services. I really do, and, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to what God has in store for us. God has something special in store for us. Can I tell you, um, and I said this yesterday, You've got a great church here. You've got a great church. You've got a family feel that really uh, is rare. And uh, God's using this place in a great way. And, and I, I believe that. I'm not saying this because it's, I'm not saying a thank you for the, the gift card and the date night, but you've got an incredible pastor and pastor's wife. These people, these people love y'all. And uh, it's obvious. And, uh, you know, the... It's just amazing to be around a family, a church family, a, a pastor who loves his church family, and uh, and it's obvious you've got a blessing here, and, and not just pastor and pastor's wife, but assistant pastor, assistant pastor's wife, and uh, I, I, you all have gone over and above uh, the call of duty to provide for your church family here in in a tremendous way, and I want to say thank you, and uh, we're in couples retreats. I'll, give my hand. Give my hand. That's great. They're saying right now, no, we'd prefer the date night. So, you know, <laughs> um, they, they are a tremendous blessing in, in seeing their heart. Uh, you mentioned the Holy Land and being in the Holy Land. My wife and I had the privilege. Have you all been? You, you said you have been. I thought you had. And uh, we had the privilege of going in November of 2018, the end of November, beginning of December. My wife's birthday is December 1st. And so we were in the Holy Land for my wife's birthday. And uh, what a time. We actually were in Bethlehem on my wife's birthday. We got to see the birthplace of Jesus, the, the, you know, the, the traditional birthplace of Jesus. And then we also, we also got to, on the same day, because Bethlehem is the same, place, the same place, we went from the birthplace to Calvary. So we saw the birthplace and death place of Jesus on my wife's birthday. But we just celebrated the birth. We didn't celebrate the death. because you know, Anyway, it was on her birthday. We didn't want to have any correlation there. But uh, we had a great time. I, I say this everywhere I go. Um, you, if, if you've never been to Israel, uh, save up to go to see the land where this book was written. And uh, I, I've done, done a lot of education. I've, I've studied a lot. I've, I've, I've done those things. But nothing, I, I didn't learn near as much in any college course or any uh, extra uh, master's degree, doctorate degree. I, I, where I learned the stuff was going to Israel and walking, getting on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and, and it was a windy day. Nothing like what the disciples faced. But being on that boat and feeling that boat rock back and forth and looking off on one side of the Sea of Galilee and seeing the hillside where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. And we had gotten on the boat in, in Decapolis, the land of the Gadarenes, where the maniac of Gadara, that, that rude, crude, nude dude was at. And uh, that area where we got on the boat and got it. And it's just amazing, captivating to see where Jesus ministered. And, and to read those stories, we got on Mount Carmel 
And uh, it's the first place we stopped. First, first day we went to Mount Carmel. I got to preach on Mount Carmel. And, and uh, just amazing, amazing. It's, it's not a real big hill, but it, it's a decent-sized hill. And, and uh, my wife, I didn't see the sign. Maybe you took a picture. I don't remember there's a sign. Our teenagers, oh, I was doing a video and sending it back to our teenagers in my Sunday school class. And in the video, there was a sign that said, uh, please no fires or something like that. On, don't, don't light any fires here. The, Jesus already lit the fire there. But, but knowing that God sent fire from heaven down uh, right there, literally in that spot. And just amazing. And uh, I, God, have you all ever been? Have you been? It's just amazing. I, I would encourage you as a church family, make a trip and go all together. And, and uh, that, is, that is amazing. That is. And if you think about, can I afford it? It's worth it. It really is. It's worth it. It's an amazing thing. Second Kings chapter six is where we're going to go this 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 afternoon. This morning, this it'll be this afternoon when I finish. But uh, this morning, Second Kings chapter number six, kind of a, a different type of a message for a couples conference. Um, but I think this is really where the crux of couples, where our marriages find its root, and uh, so much could be said. I I I, uh, I love to read. The Bible. I love to study the Bible, and and there's sometimes you look at certain things in the Bible and you wonder why is that there. This is one of those passages. If you look at Second Kings chapter five, and you, I, I was taught young as a as a preacher boy, learn the context, study the context of Scripture. Know what it's. Why is that written there? What's going on before it? What's going after it? What's the setting going on in that area? It, it helps you understand the Bible a little bit better. And as you as you read in in Second Kings chapter number six. There is no context for this passage. There, it's really almost like there's a parenthesis set in it's verse number one of chapter number six. It goes through oh, six or seven verses, and then it goes right on to the next thing. And, and these six or so verses here, really, they don't tie in at all. There's no connection before or after except for uh, some of the people that are involved here. And, and when, I, when I come across a passage of Scripture like that, I, in, in my mind I think, God, why would you put that there? What is the purpose of that? And as we read 2 Kings chapter number 6, we'll read these first seven verses. 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. So the sons of the prophets basically are preacher boys, is what we would refer to them as in today's society. These are young preachers, prophets, maybe still in training, more of a communal type living, and they're, they're all together in, in one location, and these prophets come to Elisha, the, the main prophet, and they say to Elisha, Elisha, this place is too small. There's not enough room here for all of us. You know, brother so-and-so is getting on my nerves. We need, we need some more space here. Verse 2, he says to Elisha, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take, th- take thence every man a beam. And let us make us a place there that we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. Well, then one of those other, one of those other young preacher boy prophets looks at, at Elisha and says, uh, one said to him, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. In other words, Elisha, we want you to go with us. We, we don't want to just go on our own. We want you there with us, so will you go with us? And, and he says at the end of verse number three, Elisha says, and he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, as he was chopping down a tree, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. 
And the man of God said, where fell it? It's an amazing passage of scripture. He says, where fell it? Where did the axe head go? And he showed him the place. And Elisha, he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. It's an amazing story. Verse 7. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and he took it. The chapter changes gears now. Then it goes in, then the king of Assyria warred against Israel. I mean, literally these seven verses are just a parenthesis in the middle of a passage of scripture where Gehazi's prophet in chapter number chapter number five uh, lies and, and, and ends up with the leprosy of, of the king, uh, the servant of the, of, of the king's host. And, and so here's these seven verses that God just squishes uh, providentially right here in 2 Kings chapter number six. And I, I look at this passage of scripture and in my mind I say, God, why'd you put that there? Literally, I ask that question sometimes out loud. God, why is this here? What are you trying to teach me? And, and there's a lot of typology in this passage. At my master's degree at West Coast, I had the class of typology. And, and how do these pictures in the Old Testament represent uh, Christ or the church or things in the New Testament? And, and this is a picture of typology in the Bible. This is a story about, it's not about an axe head. It's not about some trees being chopped down. It's about us. This passage of scripture today is about our marriage. This passage of scripture is, is not about, uh, about building a home. It, it's about our marriage, our husband and wife relationship with each other. And here in this passage of scripture, I, I learned some things. Uh, I, I, I wrote this down just as introduction in the message. Marriage is the greatest gift of God. I, I'll tell this to teenagers, and, and please don't throw me out as a heretic until I finish the statement. But I say this to teenagers all the time. Marriage is the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. And, and, and the super spiritual ones in the room will say, no, 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 salvation is. And my answer to that is, yes, salvation is the greatest decision of my life, but I don't fully comprehend salvation yet. I, I understand my position in Christ. I understand all the benefits I have in Christ, but I, my faith has not become sight yet. One day when I take my last breath, I'll see Jesus face to face, and then I will know of a surety that salvation is the greatest decision I ever made. But, but I know it is, but for right now, I, I can reach out and I can touch my spouse. I, I, can, I can put a tennis ball between my lips and, and burn my lips. By the way, I, I guess I know what it's like for a lady to kiss a man with a beard or a mustache or, or maybe that, because man, my lips are burning. I'm thinking, that must be what it's like. And not that I want to know what it's like and I'm not going to find out what it's like, but, but that, that must be, and I'm still hurting from that. We won though. <laughs> But I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, I love being married. I love being, I, I love marriage. I, I, I love, I, honestly, I, I could, this is a marriage retreat. I can go really deep. And, uh, and I'm really suffering going a little, I, I'm not going to. I love being married. I, I love holding my wife's hand. I cannot get enough of her. And I mean that sincerely. I, I'm not just saying that. I, I think you could ask her, and I think she would say the same thing. I am madly in love with Christy Denise Payne. That's her maiden name, Pain. She used to be a pain. <laughs> I changed her. She's no longer a pain. She's really sweet now. I, I, I'm madly in love with her. I love being around her. I, I can't say that I, I really fully love being around her while I'm driving, because that's usually when our discussions take place, because I can't drive. I, I literally, I was, I was driving home just the other day. Uh, we were in uh, 
North Carolina, Marion, North Carolina. And uh, is that where we're at? Yeah, yeah. And, and we finished preaching the Sunday night. We preached the uh, Wednesday through Sunday. And Sunday night, finished preaching that, their church service Sunday night. And I told the pastor there, I said, I, I, I really need to just go home tonight if that's okay. And uh, which it really didn't matter to him. I was done. And I said, I'm going to drive through the night. And he said, well, just be careful. You know, yeah, just be careful as you drive. It was about a seven-hour drive. We finished, services finished about seven or eight, but we, we talk a lot. And, uh, and so we, just, we sat around at the church and talked for about an hour. And after we finished talking at the church for an hour, the youth pastor wanted to take us out to eat. So we went to a restaurant. We sat there for about two more hours. And, and then we got finished there. We were walking out of the restaurant. We saw some people in the parking lot we knew. And we were there for about another 45 minutes in the parking lot. It was about 11 o'clock when we were finally getting ready to leave. 10 o'clock we were getting ready to leave, somewhere around there. And, and we got a seven-hour drive ahead of us. Then I'm thinking, well, maybe we should just stay and sleep. We still had the hotel room. We, we, we didn't technically check out. We just took everything out. And, and uh, maybe we should. I said, no, we're going home. I said, I can make up some time on the road. I can, I can do this. And, and, and I just, I'm confessing I was going too fast. And uh, I was, if, I don't know what the laws are here in Florida, but in Tennessee, a certain number of miles over the speed limit is considered reckless driving. And, uh, and I was one mile from the reckless driving uh, Mark, when, when I topped a hill and came over that hill and, and a state trooper was sitting in the median. And, uh, and I couldn't see the state trooper because, you know, it was night out and he didn't have any lights on. It's very deceptive of him to do that, by the way. And uh, he was sitting there hiding from us. And, and, and as I topped that hill, his headlights came on and, and, uh, and, and, and then the blue lights came on. And I'm, ah! I just got nailed. I, I'm, I, and I, I looked at my wife. She was on the computer. She was on Facebook Marketplace on, on the computer driving down the road. And, uh, and, and, and so I pull over and I get, I have a carry permit. And so I pull over, I get my carry permit out, get my driver's license out. I lower all the windows, turn the lights on, get the red. I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I, this happens to me often, so I know the routine. <laughs> I, I get pulled over about once a month. And, and it, it, I'm not joking. It's, it's way too much. And and, uh, and so I, 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 I pull over to the side of the interstate, and I'm sitting there, windows down, lights are on, it's 2.30 in the morning, and, uh, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror trying to see where this officer's coming from, and I, I'm looking, I don't see anything, the lights are so bright, if, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go into a seizure because those blue lights are just flashing, and I look in the other side, and I see a shadow on the, the passenger side, so I, the last minute I said, Christy, I think he's coming up on your side. And as soon as I said on your side, literally the officer is standing right next to her, this flashlight, and he's leaning down in the window. All the way, I mean, the lights are on. Light, uh, he can see in, we can't see out. And he said, hello. And my wife was like, ah! I mean, she jumped. She screamed. It scared her to death. And I mean, we know he's coming. And there he is. Ah! She's screaming. And, and when she screamed, no joke, the officer was like, ah! And she, she said, you scared me. And the officer said, you scared me. They're having this little bantering back and forth. And, and he's now laughing. And he leans in. He says, whew. He said, this has been fun. But you, you don't scare people like that anymore. And she said, okay, but please don't scare me like that. And they're just laughing back and forth. He, just, he, just, he didn't even take my driver's license. He said, y'all just slow down. Keep. I was doing 19 miles an hour over the speed limit. Just keep right on going. Just go ahead. Said, Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I'm telling you, being married is the greatest thing in the world. Especially when she gets you out of a speeding ticket. It's the greatest thing in the world. I love being married. 
I, I love the joy you get from each other. You, you ever notice that sometimes in the, in the married life, it's easy to perform our duties? It's easy to do what's expected of us. It's easy to become robotic in our married life. All right, it's six in the morning. It's time to get up, make the coffee, or four in the morning, or whatever time it is. Some of you get up way too early. My, my idea of an early morning is like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. That's early for me. So too many years with, youth past, with teenagers. And I, I, you get up in that routine, the make the coffee, or make sure we save time to stop at Starbucks, or uh, you know, make the breakfast, get everything ready, get dressed. We, we go through the same routine every day. Time to get up and shower, brush our teeth, and, and put on the deodorant. It, it's time to, it's time to uh, uh, make, 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 uh, make breakfast. And I, all the different routines we go through. Make the bed. Our rule in our home is, the last one out of the bed makes the bed. That's our rule in the house. As a matter of fact, there's, there's, it's a good, good rule. There's many times, by the way, it's, it's a good rule unless you don't get up until 10 a.m. Then it's not a good rule. There's times I'll, I'll hear her stirring in the bed next to me. She's getting ready to get up, and you, you, know, you, you, you feel the bed moving a little bit or the squeak of the box springs or whatever. And, and, and I'll, I'll note she's happening, and I'll take my foot and plop it out on the floor. I'm up. I'm up. My foot's on the floor first. I'm up. You got to make the bed. It's, we, we, we have these routines. We go to work. We, we do our same routine at work. We, we probably drive the same way to go to work every day. We make the same stop at the same Starbucks. We know the person's name by, by first name basis because we stop. Nah, we're not coffee drinkers, but those of you who are, you stop there and, and, and you just do this same routine day in and day out. And you come home and you have the same routine when you get home. You, you walk in the door, you set certain things down and you, 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 you may walk through the house and, and, and give your spouse a kiss and eh, good to be, how's your day? It's good, how's your day? And you sit down at the table, you may watch a show. I, I don't know what your routine is, but we get stuck in ruts, don't we? By the way, the same thing's true with church. Some of us, we are professional at coming in, like church starts at 9 a.m. Is that what you said tomorrow morning? 9 a.m. We come in at the, the early service, 9 a.m., and we show up at 8.57, 8.58, and, and, or maybe 9.05. And you come running through the door, and you have, you have your seat. You know where you sit. And if you come in and you're five minutes late and someone's in your seat, you're like, ugh. Who's that? Okay, it's a guess. I think we'll let them buy on this one. But don't let it happen a second time. We, we sit in the same... We, we, in church, we run through the same routine. We have a song. Pastor welcomes and greets us. We have a song. We sit down. We pray. We have an... Whatever the, whatever the routine is. I mean, it, it's scripted so often. And then the pastor will preach. And sometimes it's three points in a poem. And, 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 and then the invitation's given. And we know the, the invitation song is going to come. And Brother Kenny, you're coming to lead a song. And, and some people will come forward. And then we dismiss and we go. We, we just live by routine. In this passage of scripture, you know what I see? I see that there's a, there's a routine that is completely changed. The rut of life is done away with in 2 Kings chapter number 6. And I want you to see this typology in this passage of Scripture. I want you to see uh, here in this passage that these prophets, these young preachers say, we want to build a new place. We want to do something different. We've got to change. Something's got to give. 
And they go to Elisha, and Elisha says, well, let's go do it. You have my permission, go. And they say, Elisha, go with us. Elisha goes, and they all start getting busy. I didn't, I was going to go by the hardware store, but it wasn't open yet this morning, or I didn't leave in time to stop. It was already open, but I didn't stop. But I was going to go get an axe handle. Matter of fact, let me put that down. Let me be a real man for a few moments. I'll, I'll leave the shield on there just to be safe. Here these guys go, and, and they're ready to start chopping down wood. They're ready to start building. I mean, it's pretty amazing, amazing what, what these guys are back. I mean, today we, we get the old chainsaw out and down it goes. Not those guys. I mean, they're working all day swinging that axe. I mean, they're and chopping, get the right angle and come up on the angle, get the wedge in there, go to the other side, start chopping on the other side and, and timber, down it comes. I mean, they're working hard all day long. Can, can I tell you, in this passage of Scripture, I see some types. I see that the handle of that axe, get this, the handle of the axe represents our lives as Christians. That handle is you and I. I mean, we're busy at it. We're, we're doing the job that's expected of us. And, and we go through that routine. We're constantly swinging that axe. We're constant. Would you agree with me? Life is sure busy. Don't you wish there were like three or four other hours in the day so you get done all the things that need to be done? And then if there were three or four more hours in the day to get things done, we'd wish there were three or four more hours in the day to get more things done because we can never be satisfied with what's done. That honeydew list, it grows, doesn't it? That, I mean, you, you get one thing done and there's three more on the list when you get the one done. You think, wait, I've got to get this one thing done first. And we're busy. We start running through those routines. I mean, we're busy swinging that axe. We're busy at it. I, I, I understand in this passage of Scripture, that man was, he was swinging that axe. As he's swinging that axe, I mean, working hard. Doing the job that needs to be done. I mean, he's swinging. He may have his buddies there, like, they may be swapping out. Here, you take it for a few minutes. And the other guy's swinging. And they're getting the job done. And in the middle of swinging the axe, the Bible says that the head of the axe went flying off into the water. Do you know what the head of the axe represents? The head of the axe represents the power of God. The typology here in 2 Kings, the representation here in 2 Kings is this. That axe handle is you and I lives. The, the, the axe head is the power of God in our lives. And here's this man. He's been working hard. He's swinging that axe. Get up here higher so I don't hit anything. He's swinging that axe. Can you just imagine that guy? Now he's swinging that axe. And maybe no one saw that the axe head went flying off of the water. Maybe he's the only one who saw it. Obviously he knows it. Because now as he's swinging that axe handle. I mean there's nothing else on it. He's like thud, thud. Could you imagine trying to cut down a tree with no axe head? I mean... I, that, that'd be crazy. I mean, it's beyond crazy. That's insanity. All right, I'm going to go out and cut down this tree. I've got my axe handle. And you got to... Before long, the axe handle is going to break. You're not going to get anything accomplished. And can I tell you what most of our marriages are like? Most of our marriages are, we are that axe handle. And we're busy performing everything that has to be done in life. We're, we're making the coffee. We're cleaning the house. We're taking care of the children. We're doing all the jobs that are expected of us to do. And we're performing in robotic structure our home life without the power of God. We just do our duty. 
we're making a lot of noise. Could you imagine how loud it would be swinging that axe handle against that tree? Man, it's making noise. Oh, I'm going through the motions. It still looks like I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing. I mean, everybody who sees, everyone who's around, they see me doing everything I'm supposed to do. But the one key that's missing is the axe head. The power of God. And it becomes real frustrating. I mean, wouldn't it be frustrating? Go ahead. I mean, there's, there's trees out here. Volunteers, anybody want to take a broom handle out there and start trying to chop down that tree outside with this? You'll be out there for years and still not get anywhere. Be praying, God, send a mighty wind. Knock this tree over. And he might. But this does nothing but frustrate. This does nothing but irritate. This, gentlemen, when we live our life like this, we put our head on our pillow at night, we're thinking, why is she never happy with me? Teenagers will look at mom and dad and say, mom and dad, why aren't you happy with me? They're frustrated. Why? Because no power of God. No spirit filling taking place in our life. We're just performing. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and Sadducees in the book of Matthew. I love the account in Matthew. Jesus looked at those Pharisees and Sadducees and said, you Pharisees, you Sadducees, you hypocrites. Jesus said, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, what Jesus, what Jesus condemned about those Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't because they were wicked people. Were the Pharisees, as a matter of fact, you, you vote with me. If I say Pharisee, this means good, this means bad, this means I don't know. Okay? So when I say Pharisee, do you think they were good people, bad people, or I don't know? What would you say if I say Pharisee? Well, you, you, everyone's voting here. What would you say? I'm looking around, we're like that. They're bad. And you know what? You're right in the fact that we know they're bad because we read it in the Bible. However, can I tell you this? The Pharisees were some of the most spiritual people you would have ever met in your life. Oh, listen to me. The Pharisees would have been at the couple's retreat. The Pharisees would be at every church service. The Pharisees would carry their Bible. It wouldn't just be a regular Bible. It would have been like the, the, the family Bible, the family scroll. <laughs> on the, the living room table. I mean, it would have been so big, they would have, they would have thrown it up on the shoulder and said, oh, I'm at church today. Do you remember there's the Pharisees who looked at Jesus and the disciples, and when they, when they saw Jesus and the disciples, do you, do you remember the complaint they had with the disciples on one account? They said, Jesus, your disciples eat with unwashing hands. <gasps> you wicked, you're going to spread COVID. <laughs> Wash your hands, are you wicked? By the way, why were they saying that? Because in the Old Testament, the Old Testament ceremonial law, it was a command to wash your hands before you ate. I mean, it was part of the law. And the Pharisees lived by the letter of the law. They became professionals. Oh, they were some of the best people you'd ever meet. But it was all on the outside. Can I tell you what hinders our marriage more than anything? is when we become a professional husband or a professional wife and we just perform on the outside. 
here in 2 Kings chapter number 6, you know what I learned? I learned I've got to have the power of God. I've got to have God's power in, my, in order to be the husband that I need to be for my wife. I've got to have God's power in my life. You say, well, that sounds spooky. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not being spooky. I'm not being weird. Uh, I, I'm not talking about speaking in an unknown tongue. I'm not, talking about, I, I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about having God controlling my life. You, you put on a glove, a working glove, you put on that glove, chances are that glove is not going to do anything on its own. I mean, if you go out chopping wood and you put on some gloves so you don't wear out some blisters on your hand, you put on those gloves. Could you just imagine taking the glove and saying, all right, there's the axe, here's the glove, go to work. Nothing's going to happen. The glove by itself is actually useless. The glove can't do anything by itself. Hey, can I tell you, we are the glove. When I say being spirit-filled, being used, what does that mean? That means letting God fill us and let God control us. God's in charge of your marriage, not you. It's not about what I want. It's, it's not even about what God wants. I, excuse me, it's not about what my wife wants. It's all about what God wants. If I'll live my life to please God, if I'll have that spirit filling, you say, okay, smarty pants, then how do I have that spirit filling in my life? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Can I take you to one more passage of Scripture? And I'll be done. Go to, go to uh, James chapter 4, I think is where it's at. I should study more. I really should. James 4, I think it's verse 8, I believe. We memorize the book of James, but I'm not good with the addresses, the references. I am horrible with references. We call them addresses. I get lost all the time. James chapter 4. Is that draw nigh to God? Oh, good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Draw nigh to God. Look at James 4, 8. Do you find it yet? James chapter 4, verse 8. James is writing to Christians. He's not writing to the lost. Study the context. He's writing to believers the children of Israel. You can go back to James chapter 1, verse 1 and find out who he's writing to. He's writing specifically to Christians. So, so as we study the Bible, we're not studying a textbook written to other people. We're studying a living book that's written to us in 2022. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for today. So as I read James chapter 4 and verse number 8, God says this, draw nigh to God. And he'll draw nigh to you. I love that when it comes to marriage. I love to draw nigh to Christy. I, I, you know, we all have our own personal bubbles. Everyone has a personal bubble. If, if you get in my personal bubble, I, it's very uncomfortable. You, you ever been around someone who just, they don't know that there's a certain space you're supposed to keep and they, they want to talk to you. Can I, I, I've not seen this at all here, so I, I don't think I'm offending anyone. But you ever, Brother Sean, I, I, I love you, brother, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not you, ever, you ever met somebody who, when they talk to you, they're like, hey, brother, how are you doing? Do you see his face? He's like, dude, back up! I'm going to knock your head off! Why? Because we all have our own personal space. We all want our space. Can I tell you? There's one person I love to have in my personal space. And she's sitting right there. I love, she's welcome in my personal space anytime. 
She doesn't have to announce it. She doesn't have to, to give a reason why. She can get right up there as close as she, as a matter of fact, as often as she wants. She can have her mouth closed. She can have her mouth, I don't care. I, I Just get in my personal, I'm getting too, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want her in my personal space as often as I can. I love it. Draw nigh, you know what God says? Draw nigh to him and what does he do? He gets in your personal space. I want to I draw nigh to God. How do I, how, okay, how do I draw nigh, I, just as practical and basic as can be here, how can I draw nigh to God? I've never seen God. I talk to God every day, but he doesn't talk back to me. I've never heard his voice. As a matter of fact, if I heard his voice, I'd down I'd go. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go home and change something. You know, it'd be bad. Truth is, is I've, I've never heard his voice. I've never seen God. How do I draw nigh to God? How do I, what, how is it? Right there. It's the word of God. You, you know, we're, we're good. This is the preachy part, forgive me. We're good at coming to church and looking good. We're good at coming to church and expecting, Pastor, feed me, fix my marriage. Pastor, fix my kids. Pastor, we're having struggle. And by the way, that's why God gave you a pastor. So, so don't ever apologize for going to him for help. But that, can I tell you, we, we go to the wrong place primarily when we don't go to God first. Because God Almighty, he has the answer for your marriage. God Almighty has the answer for that strife. God Almighty has the answer for that financial situation. God Almighty has the answer. But yet we, we're professionals that we walk through the door. We, we look the right way. We talk the right way. We sing the right songs. We carry the right Bible. We do all the right things in our life. And we just become robotic in our life. And we don't really draw close to God. When my wife and I were dating... We were in college, and, and we had this system at the college where you could write a love note, a little letter. And we, we were cheap college students. You didn't have the money to put a postage stamp on it. And so we, we would write this letter. They, had a, a, they called it panhellenic. I don't even know what that means, but that, that's what it was called, panhellenic mail system. And, and you take that, that letter, and, and, and in your dorm, they had boxes, and it would say the different girls' dorms' names on those boxes. And at nighttime, like at 10 o'clock or 9.30, I think it was, you, you'd write this letter. As long as you had it in that box, box by 9.30, they would take that box and they'd take that box over to the girls' dorm or they'd dump it into a, a basket and take it over to the girls' dorm. And they'd have girls in that dorm that would literally deliver those letters at nighttime to the, the dorm. So I'd write my wife's, my girlfriend's uh, room number on the, the front of that letter. And I'd, I'd send it, I'd take my Stetson cologne and I'd spray that Stetson on there. Yeah, and I, I'd, send, I'd tape it shut because I didn't want any other creeps reading my love letter to her. And, uh, and I'd send that over to the dorm. And, and I would sit in my room literally on the edge of my bed. I, I, I remember sitting there waiting. Okay, the door, someone's going to knock on the door here soon. They're going to bring a letter in. I'd sit there and I'd wait. And they'd knock on the door and they'd holler out, Panhellenic! And they'd open the door and, and they'd call my roommate's name because the other dorm was delivering faster than, than my wife's dorm. And I'd, ugh, it's not hers. Ugh. And I'd sit there and I'd wait and I'd wait. And finally they'd knock on the door. Panhellenic, Copeland. I mean, woo, I'm up. I'm grabbing that letter. And you know the first thing I do that letter? Because <sighs> she would pray that, spray that day toilet cheap perfume on there. <laughs> I'd smell that. What I found out later was every girl sprayed their perfume on there. 
and they'd pile those in that box down there, and so it was like a smorgasbord of perfume. I don't even know if I smelled her perfume. I have no idea. Ah, oh, I smell good. You know what I'd do that love letter? I'd open that love letter, and I'd read that love letter. I'd read through it, and it would say, Dear Kurt, and it all these nice things she'd say, all these true and honest things she'd say about me. And then I'd get to the end of it, and she, she'd sign this. She'd sign, Love, Christy. I'm like, Love? Come on. We're like college students. It's not love, it's love ya, or I love you. And so I'd get my ink pen out. I, I'm not lying, I'd get my ink pen out, and on that love letter, I'd pull it out, and I'd take that, that comma after ya, uh, love, and I'd make that the first part of the why. And I would, I would write on the love letter, love ya. And sometimes I'd go back and put I love you on there. And I, I'm like, woo, she loves me. And I would read that letter over, and I still have them. 28 years later, 29 years, 30 years later, I still have those love letters. And I'd love, I'd, I'd take that love letter and I'd put it under my pillow. Middle of the night, I'd raise that pillow up and ah, put the pillow back down. The morning I'd get up and I'd pull that love letter back out and I'd read that love letter again. Why? Couldn't get enough. Man, I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more. Hey, can I tell you? You have a love letter. That love letter is this book. James says, how do I be spirit-filled in my life? I, I feel like sometimes in my marriage, we're just swinging an axe handle. We're not getting anything done. It's, just, it's constant battle. Oh, we're doing all the things that's expected of us. We're walking through the motions. Everything looks good on the outside. I mean, outwardly, we look great, and we're swinging, and we're, we're performing. We're doing everything that we're supposed to do. But there's no power because we're not walking with God. We're not spending time with God one-on-one. Say, well, I, sometimes I read the Bible and sometimes it's boring. Any of y'all ever felt that way? My, my hand's up, just so you know. You ever read the Bible and thought, oh, I have no idea what that said. Yeah, It's tough. It's tough. Read through the Chronicles when so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm thinking in my mind, what in the world is that even in there for? First of all, I can't pronounce a single one of those names. My wife and I, we read the Bible out loud together, and we'll go through that one-year Bible together, and, and, and I love it. By the way, I highly recommend it. We, we read it out loud together, and, 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 and we'll get to that, that Chronicles part, and if I'm reading the Old Testament, I literally, I, I do this even sometimes when I'm preaching. I can't pronounce the name, so I just say the first letter. And so A begat R, and R begat S, and S begat D. I, I don't know, God knows who they are. I know that sounds disrespectful. I know it does. But I, you ever read the Bible and it's... <sighs> you, ever, you ever been to a boring church service? Don't, by the way, don't respond to that one. If we were out somewhere else, you... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> the truth is, is sometimes you walk through it and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why do I do this? Hey, can I tell you? We all have to have God's power. How do I have God's power? Draw an eye to God. God, I want more of you. Hey, can I ask you, sir, when was the last time, honestly, you don't have to answer out loud, just think about it. When was the last time you got your Bible out and you read your Bible? And I'm not talking about in church. Like, I just did. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking about church. 
I'm talking about when you got up and you just wanted to spend time with God. It may be early in the morning, maybe late at night, I, I, maybe at lunchtime at work. I, I, it, it's none of my business when. When was the last time you got your Bible out, sir? You spent time with God. When, when was, ma'am, I, I know you're busy. I know life, you, you work a job and your husband expects you to cook. And you, I, all these things, you got to have a clean house and you got all the, the pressures. I am so thankful I'm not a lady. Man, I'm so, these guys who want to become, I don't, they're messed up. I am so thankful I'm a man. I am so thankful. I, I mean that. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying I'm thankful. I'm a, I, I would, my wife says all the time, if, if we ever believed in reincarnation, she wants to come back as a man in her next life so she doesn't have to do anything. So, oh, so she have a day off work. That's what she, yeah, yeah. That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> the, the truth is, is I'm so thankful I'm a man. I really am. But you, we get caught up in these routines of life, and ladies, you're busy, and men, you're busy. When was the last time you opened the Bible? God says, draw nigh to him. Not just a ripcord like, oh, it's emergency. God, I need you. Please help me save. Not that. I'm talking about just loving God. When was the last time? By the way, James 4.8 doesn't stop there. James 4.8 goes on and says this. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's James saying? He's given us the recipe on how to draw nigh to God. In my marriage, I've got to have God. Let me say it again. I don't know if you really catch this yet. In my marriage, I don't want to just be swinging a stick. I want to accomplish something. I want to have a happy, fruitful, fulfilling home. I don't want to just bring, be swinging a stick. I want to have God's power. I want to accomplish something. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be happy. How do I do it? Get God's power. Brother Kurt, how do I have God's power? Draw an eye to God. Cleanse your hands. What does that mean? Get the sin out. Those things you know you shouldn't be doing, stop doing it. The things you know you should do, do them. I, I, I'm being very simple. He goes on to the next level. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You, don't want, you know, there's, there's some of us, we're, we, we don't have that gross sin in our, in our life. We've not committed murder like my coworker. We've not done that. We've, we've, not, we've not robbed a bank. We've not committed adultery. We've not cheated on our spouse. My hand's clean. Then he goes on to the next layer and he says, and purify your hearts. What is our heart? That's who we are. That no one else knows about. The secret us. The internal us. That, 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 that us that's when your wife says, hey honey, can you do this? And, and you... Respond by saying, oh, yes, dear. But inside, you're like, ugh. He says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Those secret things inside. I want the power of God. Say, Brother Kurt, by the way, back to 2 Kings. Do you hear what the guy did? The guy, he's swinging that axe and off goes, I'm, I'm done. He swings the axe and off goes the axe head. And the Bible says this. He cries out, Master! Alas, help, I need you. The typology continues on. The master's not Elisha. The master's God. 
at the marriage conference, Bible Baptist Church, Pembroke, Ryan, Florida. You know what our marriages need? It needs every one of us. Master! I need you. God, I need you. You wouldn't be here if you didn't already think that. God, I need you. And the master comes on the scene. The story amazes me. Cuts down a stick, throws it in the water, and the Bible says the axe head did swim. <laughs> I wish I could be, I, I, you know, in heaven, when I get to heaven one day, I hope God allows us to be able to, you know, either travel back in time or see some, some you know, the, the replay of that. I, I love the replays. Show me the re a slow motion replay. Master! And then the stick goes in the water. And then you see a little bubbling in the water. I'm just telling you, it's real. I believe in a literal interpretation of Scripture. And whoa, up comes that, that axe head. Could you imagine being there, Pastor? And that axe head comes up. What a miracle. You may be here today and say, I, my marriage may be on its last leg. Oh, no. Master! Help! Throws a stick in the water and up comes that metal axe head. Swimming. I don't know if it was like swim. I, I don't know. I, 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 you'd have to tell us the, the Hebrew word of that. I don't. Up it comes, and there's that axe head, and he says, "Reach down and get it." You can have God's power in your marriage. You can be spirit filled. You can respond right. You can act right. You can do right in your marriage. How? With God in your marriage, and it all comes back to my responsibility. The tire swinging, just the handle. Let's get the real power. Let's get God in our marriage. Husband, wife, today, can I, I, I'm, I don't know, give an invitation or how, but can I challenge you right there in your seat? And you change this however you want to do it. Can I challenge you, husband, wife, why don't you pray together today in just a moment? And, and I, I mean this sincerely. Sir, would you be willing to pray out loud? in front of your wife and maybe maybe confess or say to her and to God God I need you God not only do I need you I want you in my marriage God would would you help me to walk with you God would you give me that power in my life God I want you in my marriage would you pray sir with your wife today and say to God, out loud in front of your wife, God, I need you. And maybe, ma'am, after he prays, maybe you followed up. Not, by the way, ma'am, don't pray this. God, please help my wife or my husband to mean that. Please, God, help, help. Don't pray that. But would you pray, God, I need you too. God, I feel like I'm wasting my time sometimes. Swinging a stick, not accomplish anything. God, I gotta have your power. God, help me as the wife, as the mother, as 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 the the heart of the home. God, help me to have your power in my life. Would you pray it? Can I tell you the benefit for all this is your home. God will bless and grow your home in amazing ways when His power is present. But that's the key. Let's get God. Lord.
I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for a passage of scripture, God, that really just kind of plopped right in the middle of two other amazing passages. It doesn't really connect in any way. But God, you've got a message for us that we've got to have you. Lord, there are marriages in our country today that are on their last leg because they just walk through the motions. There's no power of God. There's no presence of God in their home. And God, you teach us in your word that we can have your power. We can have your presence. But God, that's up to us to walk with you like we should. It's not just the job of the preacher to walk with God. It's not just the job of the pastor's wife to walk with God. It's every one of us individually walking with you. And God, would you help us to do that? Would you bless our homes? Would you bless our marriages? God, would you grow us to be more like you? Lord, help us to draw nigh to you. Help us to cleanse our hands. Help us to purify our hearts. So God, you can perform the miracle of making that axe head swim. And it can be restored. Give us your power.